what a joy it is to to be here at uh, Hume Hume Lake, and my kids are excited to make friends, and it's been uh, it's been cool watching them uh, just uh, flourish and uh, get adjusted. Only been living out west for two years, so it's been uh, it's been cool. I mean, I've come out west time and time again for for different things, but to actually live out west. Uh, the scenery, you can't beat the scenery out west. I mean, it's just just phenomenal. And so I give God praise for his creation. If you have a Bible or a digital device, uh, meet me in Psalm 29. Psalm 29 is going to be our spiritual entree this evening. And we uh, kicked off uh, this morning. Um, I basically said I don't have like a series per se. I just, just want to speak to us on some things God's been dealing with me on. Um, so we looked at the issue of worship. And this evening, we're going to look at it sibling the issue of praise. Obviously, you can go to many different portions of scripture about that, but we're just going to look at Psalm 29, which is a psalm of David on this whole issue, issue of praise. And I'm excited to to get after this. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for all that you are doing. Um, The the energy that's filling this wonderful place, uh, the, the children playing, the the laughter, the fun, the games. But Lord, I I pray that you would meet with our beloved children, that they would encounter you in a unique way. Uh, I do even pray right now, Lord, that you meet with us in your word as we, as we know that this is your very voice. This is the word of God. And we pray that you would uh, confront us, oh God, uh, challenge us, uh, push us forward so we can grow for the cause of your precious son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Listen to this. A man was trying to teach his horse to obey and to stop and start on command. The man was a very religious man, so he came up with a couple of religious statements to use in training his horse. He trained the horse to go on the command words, praise the Lord. He trained the horse to stop on the command word, hallelujah. One day he was riding the horse and it took off. He lost control of the horse and he forgot his words. The horse had been trained to only respond to the key words. Up ahead was a cliff and the horse was headed there full speed. The man tried thinking of every religious word he ever heard of. Amen. Jesus saves. Worthy. Holy. Nothing worked. Just as the horse approached the precipice, of the cliff, the man shouted, hallelujah. The horse stopped right there on the edge. The man wiped his head and said, ooh, praise the Lord. (laughs) Oh, that's so cheesy, but you get the point. Praising the Lord is not some kind of casual, meaningless activity. There is power in praise. There is power in praise. In praise, isn't it fascinating how easy it is for us to praise? I mean, think about it. We we clap our hands for our favorite, you know, program or play, or you know, we're out west. Golden State Warriors. They got another championship. Uh, they discipled the Celtics very well. You know, we 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 praise. We celebrate. We celebrate. And when you start thinking over your own life, there's a lot to praise God for. And if there's anybody in Scripture that knows what it's like to praise, it will be that of David. In fact, Psalm 29, it really is a a psalm of uh, pure poetry. 
it's a, uh, a poetic psalm, as, as typical David fashion. He is a man who really captures a lot as relates to the Lord, as he just speaks from the overflow of his own life. In fact, what I love about this particular psalm is that he, he, he borrows uh, from the imagery from the culture of the time, actually some of the idolatry, actually, uh, Baal, who was, a, who was an idol there in, the, in, in, that, in, that, in that context, was known as the, the god of thunder. It was known as a storm god. But what David does in our passage is that he, he puts a spin on it. He says, no, 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 let me, let, me, let me show you a picture of ultimate power. We're not talking about no false God. We're talking about the true and living God. And he's going to reveal God in, in, a, in a form of, a, of God revealing himself in the context of a storm, in the context of a storm. And so as we go through Psalm 29, you're going to see this, this theme of praise, but in the context of power, in the context of praise, in the context of God revealing himself, in a dynamic storm, as if to communicate to the idols of that land and any other idol that there's no match for God. In fact, if you would like to take notes, here's my main thesis, here's my main thought. And that is what this psalm is teaching us, it's really simple, that God's power and presence compels me to praise. When I look at God's power, when I look at his presence and his activity, it should compel me to praise. It should compel us all to praise. And let me just share with you three things about praise that we're going to see in this, in this wonderful psalm in Psalm 29. The first thing is this, praise brings action. Praise brings action. Look at verse 1 and 2. David says, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Now, why in the world would David summon the heavenly beings to ascribe to the Lord? Well, I think it's a few reasons. One side of the coin, I think he feels as if his human effort is not adequate enough. I mean, think about it. We need everybody to join in when it comes to giving God what's rightly due him. You know, he, he says, everybody join in. We saw it earlier in Isaiah 6. You know, the angels are flying around the seraphim, praising God, worshiping him. You know, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. So David on one side is summoning everybody because he realizes that my praise is not enough. All of creation needs to get involved. But the other side of the coin, I've already tipped my hand to this, is that praise is what we rightly owe him. I mean, think about it. It's beautiful, fresh air and the the birds chirping. I mean, think about it. Have you ever thought what would the translation of the birds chirps be? Could it be that they're praising God? The sound of the water crashing in on the rocks or the stillness of the day. Could it be that if we heard in our dialect, the crying out the heavens declare the glory of God. Oh, what a great God that we serve. So David is, is summoning. And notice his appeal. He says, ascribe to the Lord. In fact, three times he uses this word ascribe, which means simply to acknowledge God's supreme worth. To acknowledge his supreme worth. Uh, it practically looks like, for example, reflecting, thinking upon. I don't know about you, but I like to prayer journal. 
And it's amazing as you are consistent in your prayer journals, you start seeing your own personal psalms and you start looking over your own life and you start saying, wow, I was very immature here. But, oh, look at what God did here. Oh, he did answer this prayer. And you, you have a track record. You have a track record. So that's thinking and it's reflecting, acknowledging God's supreme worth. Call it to mind what God has done. Give him what's due him. I once heard a preacher say, when you start thinking, you'll start thanking. Think about that. When you start thinking about what God has done in your life, you'll start thanking. So he says, ascribe to the Lord. Is he worth it? Is he worthy? Is he good? The answer to all of those is absolutely yes. So David says, ascribe, but he also says, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. You know, we realize, as I said even earlier this morning, that worship, it really fundamentally is not, it's not the sum total of singing a nice song. That's part of worship, but that's not the end all be all. You know, for us, as we go through this life, as we live this life in obedience to God, that is worship. Actually, the Hebrew word means to bow down deeply. So when he says worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness, it means to bow down deeply. It's not just a physical reality, but it should be the posture of my heart. Uh, humility. Um, God opposes the proud, the scripture says, but he gives grace to the humble. So when he says worship the Lord, the idea is alignment, that I, that I daily seek to align my life to his. Worship the Lord in the splendor. You know what that means. It's his majesty, his, his glory, it's his awesomeness. Some words should only be reserved for church, and awesome is one of them. My car is not awesome, right? You know, our, our careers is not awesome. No, God is only awesome. And to be awesome means to be awestruck. It's interesting. My brother just celebrated 24 years of marriage. I remember being at his wedding, standing right next to him at his wedding, as soon as his wife, Corey, walks around the corner, I literally heard air leave his body. <gasps> and I'm like, breathe, man, breathe. <laughs> All struck. Worship the Lord in the splendor. When is the last time God took your breath away? When's the last time you stepped back and said, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me get as low as I can, as fast as I can. He is who he says he is. And so acknowledgement of who God is, that's ascribing, and alignment to him, that's worship, puts me in a position to praise. Where there is acknowledgement of who God is and where there's the appropriate alignment to him puts me in a position to experience authentic praise. How many of us like good movies? Hey Amen. I love a good movie. You know, uh, I'm just going to put it out there. If you haven't seen it, please go see Top Gun. In the name of the Lord. That, hands down, is the best movie I've seen in a long time. And there's been a lot of cheesy movies out there. Saw it in IMAX, front row center, not front row, front row center, but you get what I'm saying. I'm right in the center, in the back, surround sound, got my popcorn in my lap, got my, my, got my soda right here. And I'm thinking, this is absolutely great, palm sweating, heart racing, great story. 
And when I got done with it, I'm on my phone. I'm texting family. I'm telling everybody, mother, you have got to see Top Gun. My mama called me the other day. She was like, son, Top Gun is the movie of the summer for me, baby. She said, I saw it two times. I had to see it twice. You see, when, when something fires you up, you tell somebody. You don't just say, I think I'm just going to hold on to it myself. No, you tell everybody. Oh, you got to see this. Man, go, first thing you do when you get back, go see it. You got to experience it. And that's what genuine praise. When God is good to you, you will have a readiness to tell others. You've got to experience my Savior. Let me tell you what he's done for me. Let me show you a passage of Scripture. Let me share the love of Jesus. That's praising God, and that's telling everybody else. And that's what David is doing. You can hear his excitement in this text. When it comes to praising God, we should have a sense of expectation and anticipation. And nobody has to pump me up for that. You come to him because you love him. And you want to experience him. And so David lets us know that praise brings action, this idea of ascribing, this idea of worshiping. But also, number two, praise is reverence. Praise is reverence. Now, here's where he gets more into this this imagery of a storm. Notice, number one, the gathering of the storm. Look at verse three, uh, three and four. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Uh, Theologians would call this a theophany. Theos, God, phony, manifest. God manifesting himself in the physical realm and within the context of a storm. Now, I'm not the sharpest pencil in the box, but as you read this psalm, uh, you'll see at least seven times the, the phrase, the voice of the Lord is used. It speaks of God's un unmatchable power, um, that when he speaks, things happen. Now think about that. Our heads will explode when we really think hard that God spoke ex nihilo, out of nothing, and bam, you got creation. Let there be, and so it was. Boom. To think that our God never had a starting point, always was, always is, always will be in the present, right now. He spoke, and we don't even know what nothing looks like. The earth The universe, the Bible says, he holds the universe in the span of his hand. That's from his thumb to his pinky. Michael Jordan wasn't the first to palm anything. God's been palming this, his creation for eternity. The voice of the Lord did this. He spoke and the worlds were formed. Jeremiah 10, 13 says, when he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens And he makes the mist rise from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain and he brings forth the wind from his storehouses. Exodus 19 verses 16 and 17 says, On the morning of the third day there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Here's what I want you to see. The God who speaks, the God who manifests himself to us, he is here. He is power. He is power. God, help us with this. So the gathering of the storm. But now he gives the idea of the storm striking. Look at It's interesting. Look at verse 5. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. 
the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. It's interesting, these nice, beautiful trees here, redwood trees, sequoia trees, you know, Lebanon were nice trees as well. And he wants you to understand that God's power can break it like a toothpick. It's nothing to him. It's nothing. It goes, he goes even further. He goes even further to say that, you know, the, the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. In other words, God's power overthrows things. God's power overthrows things. And there's three words I want to encourage us with today, and that is this. God is able. Do you believe that? God is able. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what, what challenges you are facing, but God is able. And as a pastor, you walk with people through some crazy and dark times, and there's the, you, you have a lot of questions yourself, and you're wondering, how, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how you're going to do this, Lord, but you have to preach that sermon to yourself. God, you're able. I don't, I don't understand it. I got a lot of questions, and you're not obligated to answer me. You told Job, where were you when I created the foundation of the world? God, you're able. I can't tell you how many times where we pray for God to heal somebody, uh, you know, of a sickness, and, and God, God takes them home, and you, you're dealing with people who say, well, I prayed this prayer, and, you know, God, God didn't answer my prayer. And I would say, no, 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 yes, he did. That person is healed. They are healed. Now, he's not obligated to answer it the way we want to answer it, but ultimate healing, ultimate healing is the presence of Christ. Ultimate healing is being in the presence of the Lord. And I guarantee you, the folk that he called home, they don't want to come back to this dump. They're in the presence of the Lord. So there's times in your lives where you look at imageries like this, when he breaks the seat of the Lebanon, oh, that's cool, that's, that's, that's cute for there. No, 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 personalize it. What sequoias are standing in your way? God's like, get out my way, I'm able. God is able. So David wants us to see this beautiful picture <laughs> and really frightening reality as well of the Lord. You know, he's coming in there, you know, breaking the cedars of Lebanon. But notice the storm itself trembles. Look at verse 6 and 7. He makes Lebanon, those are mountain ranges, by the way. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf. <laughs> wow. And Syrian like a wild ox. Verse 7. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. Now, it's, it's not an earthquake. It's not a volcano. You know, science will try to explain stuff away. No, 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 no. The cause of this trembling is the presence of God. You remember back in Isaiah 6? The place shook. I mean, that's amazing to me. The place shook. Hebrews 12, 29 says, it says that for our God is a consuming fire. Creation responds. Creation trembles. And how much more should we who are made in his image tremble in his presence? So this storm is making its way. Notice the storm now passes over. Look at verse 8 and 9. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. I mean, even the deer is, is trembling in fear. Actually, the Hebrew lends itself that the deer gives birth prematurely because it's in fear of the presence 
of the Lord. And strips the forest bare. Again, this is the presence of God passing through. And in his temple, all cry glory. What a climax. God is making his way through and through and through. And the only response that people can give is to cry glory, glory, glory. You know, I grew up in the South. You don't see it that much out here in the West, but in the South, it just seemed like every other week was a thunderstorm warning. My dad traveled a lot. So, man, I can remember many times my mother would have us go down to the basement. I mean, what are, what are those nowadays, right? My mom would be watching the news. I have the radio on, and okay, and I look outside. I'm like, yeah, that, that, those clouds are a little bit darker than gray. I mean, that's, that's a storm. I remember seeing a funnel cloud coming down near our neighborhood. I mean, it, it was just thunderstorm central. And when there, there's hurricanes in, in Florida, they will make their way up to Georgia and we will always get those crazy thunderstorms. It, it seemed to happen all the time. And my mother used to always have us go down to the basement and don't leave the basement until it's safe. Now, she's calling us to respond to a physical storm. Now, get this. The Bible calls us to fear the Lord. To fear God means to take him seriously. We are living in a day and age where people use his name in vain, far frequently. We are living in a culture and time where people don't take God seriously. Yeah, I, feel, I feel as if we're living in the time of judges. <laughs> Everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. Hello. We are living in that time where it, it seems like each generation, the heat is turned up even more of stupidity. And there is a, a, a serious lack of the fear of God. And I want you to think about this. We don't own anything. We don't own anything. Everything, we are dependent upon the God who woke us up this morning, the very breath we're breathing. And how foolish it is for us to think that we could do things in our own strength when we don't even own the very heartbeat that's beating right now. God, help us to tremble and to fear, and I find where there is genuine praise, there's a genuine fearing of the Lord. There's a genuine reverence of his name. That's why Jesus would say, our Father who art in heaven, the very first thing, hallowed be your name. May your name be regarded and treated as holy. Growing up, I don't know how you were raised, but growing up, my parents would never let us kids call an adult by their first name. Do we do it? Mama would say, boy, you better put a handle on that. That's Mr. Such and Such. That's Pastor Such and Such. That's Mr. Such. Why, why, why were they teaching? They wanted to teach us respect and reverence their role, their position. How much more should we when it comes to our Heavenly Father? God is not our bosom buddy. He's not our bellhop in the sky. He's not the man upstairs. He's not a genie in a bottle. No, he's the ancient of days. And we need to approach him with reverence. And that's what David is getting after in this imagery of creation is fearing God. <laughs> How much more should we, made in his image, fear him? So praise brings action. Praise is reverence. And then thirdly and finally, praise rests in God's sovereignty. It rests in God's sovereignty. In other words, it rests in reality that God's in control. Look at verse 10 and 11, it says, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with 
peace. I love that line, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. Maybe David's calling to mind the, the, uh, the, the flood account where God judged the wickedness. And he's saying, he's saying that even this, that he sits enthroned, that he is the eternal king. He has the final authority. He has life and creation under control. Aren't you glad? I don't know about you, but when we moved to Las Vegas, coming from Nashville, Tennessee, we moved literally Valentine's weekend, three weeks before the whole world shut down. And this whole pandemic was going on and on and on, you know, as everybody, everybody was glued to the TV. I know I was. And this was concerning, and I had my questions, you know. We, plus, we moved my family across the country, kids, you know, moving away from what they, what, what they knew. And it's all a new place, and it's just, it was just a, praise God he carried us through that season. But you're sitting there, especially with this pandemic, and I, I remember the Holy Spirit convicted me because I found myself a little bit too obsessive with the day-to-day news reality of what's unfolding. I found myself worrying. You know what worry simply is, right? It's trying to own what only God can own. Think about that. I'm not in control of this. <laughs> let, me control, let me try to control it, and we stress out. So the Holy Spirit's like, you need, you, you need to turn off the TV. There's nothing you can do about it. Look to me. And I had to distance myself. I had to distance myself. The sovereignty of God. God whispering to us, stop worrying. Stop worrying. Have you ever seen a complaining squirrel? I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging for bread. Do you think I will leave you here by yourself? Jesus says, look at the lilies of the field. Look at the birds of the air. He knows the number of hairs on your head, even if it's two of them. How much more is he more concerned about us? One of the challenging scriptures I struggle with, and I'm being honest, as a preacher, I, str- I struggle with this verse, and I have to submit to it. And I know once I say it, some of y'all struggle with it too. <laughs> Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Wow. Be anxious for nothing. Why? God is in control. So David says, rest in God's sovereignty. The Lord sits. He's sitting on the throne. But also, rest in the fact that the Lord acts. He says in verse 11, may the Lord give strength. I love that. To his people. To give strength here means to provide refuge, to provide protection. Exodus 15 verse 2 says, the Lord is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. God is able. You go to him. You ask him for strength, and he gives it freely. His resources is endless. His record is a billion and zero. My God does not lose. And if you're weary and if you're tired, if you need some extra wind in your spiritual or metaphorical sails, he will give you the strength that you need. But we must turn to him. He's our refuge. 
He's our protection. But also, he says, may the Lord give strength to his people. Here it is. May the Lord bless his people with peace. To bless speaks of God's divine favor. God's divine favor and his kind action. He blesses his people. Here, here it is with peace. The world cannot give you peace. My intellect cannot give me peace. My training cannot give me peace. Peace is supernatural like joy. It is a fruit of the spirit and only God can give us peace. That's what we need to rest in. And God is ready to give us that now. Maybe, maybe right now is not to have all, all the, uh, the T's crossed and the I's dotted. Maybe right now is we just need peace. Peace. You know that story, Jesus on the boat and on the Sea of Galilee, and you know that he's knocked out sleep. Classic. And I and I and I would I would even argue it was that good sleep. Drooling and everything on a pillow in the midst of a storm. And his disciples are panicking. Now think about that. The God who created the universe and those who are in the boat is chilling on a pillow, knocked out sleeping. And his disciples who have seen him do wonders is panicking. Let's not be too hard on them because we've done the same thing. My God wakes me up every morning. His, his goodness and mercy is with me. He's followed me all the days of my life. And why am I stressed out over this issue over here when he holds the universe in the span of his hand over here? So God wants us to have peace. And I love it. Jesus stood up and said, peace, be still. And they worshiped him. And so because God has the final word and authority, because he gives strength and blesses his people with peace, this should give us a greater reason to praise him. You know, oftentimes, you know, I've heard people say, you know, when things get better, then I'll get right with God. Or, or, or when, I get, when I get done with this, you know, then I'll take God seriously. Uh, no, we won't appreciate who God is until we maximize praising him where we currently are. Praise him in the midst of the mess, in the midst of the uncertainty. I mean, this is a theme all woven out through Scripture, and we'll see this in the days to come in, in, another, in another story that highlights this issue of praise. But the fundamental challenge here is that we should praise God because he is in control of everything. And we have to ask us, do I believe that? Do I rest in that? Do I stand on that? This brings comfort, so praise rests in his sovereignty. Lord, I'm here today. I don't know how it's going to pan out, but I'm pressing my way to the house of the Lord. I'm, I'm worshiping and I'm with my brothers and sisters. I'm in this Bible study group. Whatever your, your routine is, Lord, I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep being faithful. I'm going to keep praising you because I know you're doing something in me. I know you're working through me. I know you, you, your, your promises are true, and I'm going to anchor my life in you, and I'm going to praise you in the midst of this. I reverence your name. I'm going to, if I have tears crying, and that's okay because there's a psalm that says God even takes your tears and he collects them in a bottle. That, but David would even also say that he keeps count of my tossings. Read Psalm 13 when he talks about, Lord, how long, how long, how long? But yet he rests on the reality that God loves him. We need to preach to ourselves more than listen to ourselves. Did you hear what I just said? Preach God's truth to yourself and don't listen to yourself. 
Because if I listen to myself, I get myself in a lot of trouble. But if I listen to God's truth, if I preach God's truth and his promises back to my, my own self, then it's amazing how much strength will flow and grace will flow in and through that moment of praise and adoration. Well, there's a song that we've all have probably heard in years gone by. Um, it's, once I start reading it, you'll, 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 you'll know it. These lyrics, the splendor of a king, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light and darkness tries to hide and trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God and all will see how great is our God. I want to challenge you today. Think about the greatness of God. Think about how awesome he is. Um, I went to Israel with my father, the Moody Bible Institute recently, actually May, end of May, early, early June. And it was my second time going with my dad. My, I went with my dad's church back in 2014. But I got to tell you, to see the scriptures come alive, to be at the places as the scripture says, mind-blowing. You feel conflicted on many, many sides because you, it's hard to articulate the awesomeness of God in that little strip of land, no bigger than New, New, New Jersey. And to know that Messiah came and he fulfilled those promises and to be in these exact places is just mind blowing to see God's word. And this thing is true. God's word is true. And he is great, and he is worthy to be praised. And I'm so glad that God uh, doesn't leave us hanging, but he helps us. He helps us. And may we lean on him, and may we trust him, and he will help us to simply praise him. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of it. We thank you that it's rooted in truth, it's rooted in history to see your word come alive in, in so many different aspects of our lives. And um, Lord, I do pray that you will help us to ascribe to you what you do, and you are awesome, you're glorious. There's, honestly, Lord, there's not enough words. There's not enough ways to fully capture how much we adore you. Well, Lord, help us, Lord, as we live moment by moment, as we live literally dependent upon every breath that comes from you. Lord, I pray that a spirit of praise will flood our hearts. Even as it's something as simply as saying, as my grandmother would sit there growing up, she would just sit there saying, just simply saying, thank you, Jesus. Just saying, thank you, Lord. Even for the simple things place to sleep, a, a wonderful ministry to come to, and this wonderful camp, and thank you that we could uh, freely, in the midst of your creation, lean in and trust you and, and learn from you. Lord, I pray that we would be strengthened in this resolve to, 
to draw strength from you. To understand that you, you are mighty. The same God that could consume like a consuming fire is the same God that tenderly can caress and hold us and keep us in perfect peace when our mind is stayed on you. You are strong, but you are gentle. You are a God who's fierce, but yet you are patient. Oh, God, help us to take you seriously. Help us to love you out of a healthy love, a love that's rooted in fearing your name and reverencing your name so that we can be the men and women you've called us to be in our moment in history. Lord, we love you. We honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you.